Um, as just popped into my head, someone was visiting our church uh, last week from Champaign-Urbana, and uh, they came in for a worship service, and um, I talked to them just for a couple of minutes, and I got a, I got a card from them this week with like a little letter from the wife. And uh, this couple, they said, we have never been to a friendlier, more engaging church in our lives. Now, if you've been around here for a while, you know, that's not really our thing. (laughs) I wouldn't say that's what we're known for. But I want to say thank you, because I think that what what that tells me is an unsolicited, we get to hear that Jesus is moving among us, you know. And, and if, when you encounter the heart of Jesus, you get the heart of Jesus. And when the heart of Jesus is in you, the heart of Jesus comes out of you. And I think that that's beginning to happen. This couple was shocked. Like somebody invited them out for lunch. I don't know who that was. I don't know if they went. Thank you. That is awesome. So, yay team. Okay. All right. I uh, want to remind you where we are in a series. We're in this Lenten series, this six weeks. We're calling it An, an Invitation to Intimacy. And we're going through John 15. And uh, we've spent a couple of weeks in John, like real intense stuff in John 15. I'm just giving you the warning. It's intense again today. Uh, I, I can't even deal with the whole scripture that's in front of us because there's, there's just too much. I want to highlight a few things. I also want to say that I think that today's message is um, a little less me exhorting and a little more me just putting the scripture in front of you and asking the Holy Spirit to come down and use the word of God to make a change in your life. It was challenging to me preparing the message, just engaging the scripture. Um, We've been in the the themes of, we've talked about pruning, remaining in Christ, intimacy, obedience, and today we're talking about sacrifice. And sacrifice I'm defining for the sake of this uh, series as... um, Identifying with Jesus willingly. Identifying with Jesus willingly. Following Jesus, not just for the joy, but also throughout some of the difficulty. And living in the reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a world, and we will define that word, that hates him. Living as a follower of Jesus in a world that that really has dismissed him. Um, I'm... uh, I think I came up with a new sermon type. I'm calling this the if but so sermon. If but so, I just can make it one word. So I'm giving the whole message away right here. here here's the, the, my three points. Ready? I think this is coming from John 15, from the heart of Jesus. If you belong to the world, the world would love you. But you've been chosen out of the world by Jesus. So expect and accept with joy the same treatment that Jesus got. That's my if, but so, okay? So uh, I'm going to read the scripture. Why don't you stand while I read the scripture? It'll be on the screen. Pull out your Bibles, John 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and this is the word of God. Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute you. And if they'd listen to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me. For they've rejected the one who sent me. 
They would not be guilty if I'd not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they've seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this scripture, the, the, the very words of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus behind them. So spirit of God, come and use these words and form us by these words. Because we long to be like Jesus and we long to identify with Jesus in every way that he's called us and gifted us to. We pray in his name. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, so if you remember nothing else, if but so, right? That'll bring it all back. If you belong to the world, the world will love you, but you've been chosen out of the world by Jesus. So expect and accept with joy the treatment that Jesus received. Remember the context, John 15. We, uh, Jesus has been speaking about love. Last week we talked about love and obedience and sacrifice. And then Jesus turns and he commands the disciples, and that's us, right? Through the ages, he commands the disciples now, the same way that I loved you, love the world, love one another. The same way that the Father gave his love to me, take my love in, and then the same way that you receive that love, give it away to the world. And Jesus would then, as we talked about, you know, hours, days later, actually show what perfect love looked like. And it didn't look like a party. It looked like a cross, followed by a resurrection. So now in this passage, John 15, starting in in, uh, 18, and I'm just going to go through 21 because I just can't deal with the last part of that. So I'm just going to do four verses. Now Jesus moves to to the position of the disciples in the world. Jesus has made it clear where they stand with him, right? I chose you. You're mine. You're in my love. Stay there. And now Jesus is going to turn and he's saying to to the disciples, now here's your position in the world. Like warning, danger, I just want to let you know, when I go, here's what's coming for you. And I think sometimes we want to skip over this part of the Bible because we like the major theme of the gospel, which is triumph. I love that. That is the major theme of the gospel. Triumph, victory, the kingdom. There's a minor theme of the gospel. And that is the not yet before the now, the the not yet, the the suffering, the difficulty. And that's a lens through which we look at our lives because the reality of our lives shows us we don't have it all yet. Right. Otherwise, there would be no suffering. But when Jesus comes again, suffering, pain, shame, all that stuff gone forever. That's what's coming. But we got to deal sometimes with the minor theme of the gospel, this sacrifice. So we start with this first point. If you belong to the world, the world would love you. Jesus says, if you were one of them, they would take you in. So it's very important that we understand what Jesus means by the world. And I won't go into a Greek lesson because I'm not a Greek scholar, but there are three different words, Greek words for world. And so when you read in the New Testament, you see world. It is important that you have a basic understanding of what that world is. Because remember, um, Jesus, uh, Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So God loves 
the world. And yet, 1 John 2, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, they're going away. But uh, those who believe in the... I can't remember the rest of the passage, so I won't pretend to. But I know it says that. So that's a little bit confusing, right? So we've got to deal with what does it mean to be in the world and not of the world. We're not supposed to love the world, but Jesus loved the world. We're supposed to be like, Jesus, what the heck's going on, right? So Jesus says, if you belong to the world, the world would love you. So let's look at a definition. Um, This world's cosmos, just for fun in Greek, cosmos, used 187 times in the New Testament. And for the most part, for the most part, this is the meaning behind it, all right, which we're going to read here. comes from a smart guy. Ready? When Jesus says, if you were in the world, if you belong to the world, the world would love you, he means this. The inhabitants of the earth, the men, the human race, the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. Generally, world affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, everything that makes this space that eventually will be burned or be redeemed, right? Is the bad stuff we're talking about. The whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which, although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire and seduce from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. I don't think Jesus actually said all those words. But the scholars have said when Jesus speaks about the world in this way, he's talking about this earthly sphere and all the stuff that wants to grab you and make you obey and worship it rather than Jesus, right? The stuff that pulls you away. And that includes the people in the world who pull you away from Jesus. So Jesus is just giving you this, giving us this declaration. If you belong to the world, they would love you. They would be really keen on you. You would have no issues with people out there if you belong to them. And so uh, John 1.10, uh, it says this. He was in, talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Same Greek word. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So Jesus through whom the entire world was created, came into his creation and looked at him and they spat at him and killed him. Not all of them, but a lot of them, right? So a real practical question for this morning is, if we're followers of Jesus, should we expect any different treatment than Jesus got when he came to earth? Jesus was the perfect representation of man. He was God incarnate. If ever there was a really good guy... It was Jesus, right? And yet, the world that was made through him rejected him. So when Jesus talks about the world, he's talking about those people, those systems, those um, whole ideologies that are against the cause of Christ, that really militate against truth. And I don't think I have to tell you that it's out there, right? You've probably seen it, because it, it impacts us every single day. I'm not saying everyone hates you, okay? Like, that's not the message. Everyone hates you, go home and be sad. No. What I'm saying is if we're followers of Jesus, we can expect that we'll be treated as Jesus was treated. Some loved him and flocked to him and worshipped him, and their lives were changed. 
But the authorities in the world, the world, didn't feel the same way, right? They weren't so keen on him. When we identify with Jesus, there's no reason we expect that we would expect that, that people would respond to us or love us any more than they loved him. Why did they hate Jesus so much? I think it's good for us to know because then we can understand why we run into difficulty in the world. Well, Jesus really screwed up their paradigm, right? Jesus really messed up the paradigm of especially the authorities, the Pharisees. He really didn't follow their rules. He didn't even follow the rules in the Bible the way they thought he should. So the Pharisees, the world went, hey, what about this? They used the word of God against God as if they knew better than God what it should look like. Right. I mean, that's just and it still happens. And I mean, if we're honest, we sometimes do it. Like, I know what this means. Right. I won't get that. Jesus upset their, their world, their paradigm. He lived with an entirely different perspective and authority, and it undermined their whole system. They had a really good thing going, and Jesus screwed it up with truth, right? They had all this power, the Pharisees, and Jesus messed it up with unconditional love. Jesus was like coming at it, you know, they had all this control, and Jesus botched the whole thing by saying, here's what true love looks like, submission. It really messed them up. And so that's why a couple times in the scriptures, Jesus says, like, what's the bit? You guys are angry. Do you want to kill me? Why? Because I speak the truth. So if we bring it to today, here's the reality. We don't know which people in the world will be transformed by our presence and the love and the power of God that comes out of it. We don't know. Right? So what we do is we go out into the world because we're supposed to be in the world but not of it. And we go and we love like Jesus did. Everywhere we go, we love with truth and we express the power of God everywhere we go. And some of those people have been chosen by God. And when they see Jesus in us, they're going to say yes. And their lives are going to be changed. That's what happened to the disciples, except for Judas. Right? I'm just saying that, that, that's, our, that's our mission in the world. Just remember, there was Judas. There were the Pharisees. So, so don't be surprised when you go and you love with all the purity and power and unconditional and forgiveness and everything, and people look back at you and laugh at you or reject you. I can remember having conversations with my grandfather when he was alive, and he was, he was big into the golden rule, Ten Commandments, golden rule. Do unto others and obey the Ten Commandments. But when I talked to him about Jesus crucified and risen, and I talked about giving your life to Jesus, he got really angry. Because he was a self-made man. And he wanted to do his way to God. He did not want to trust his way to God. And, you know, as 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 a young Christian at that point, I'm, you know... Preaching at him hard, you know. I got, I'm 23 years old and I know everything. Right? It, it didn't go well. I felt hated and I just could, I couldn't, Jane will tell you, like, what's wrong with him? I get so upset and I, I think I just missed John 15. The world is going to hate you. You don't belong to them. It doesn't mean that we retreat because we have a message to give, right? Just don't be surprised when some retreat from you or scorn you. 
It is the love and the power of Jesus that transforms people in the end, right? Apostle Paul, hater of Christians, you know, there while Stephen was being stoned. I mean, bad guy, really like violent in his hatred and thinking he was on the side of God. And what happened that changed him? He had an encounter with Jesus. He had, he had a personal encounter with Jesus. He came face to face with the risen Lord and, it, and he was undone. That, that's what happened. So remember that that risen Lord is within you. And when you go out, some are going to have the hatred of Saul and some are going to see you and be transformed by the, the very voice of the Lord coming through you. So it's, there's, a, there's a little rough news, but it's good in the end, right? So if we belong to the world, the world would love us. It doesn't say that Jesus so loved the world that he got to be really good friends with them. So they eventually thought that he was just another one of the guys. I'm just putting it out there. It's not what it says. So I know we like to talk about being all things to all people, and I'm all for that because that's biblical. But it doesn't say that Jesus, it said that Jesus associated with sinners. It didn't say that they just assumed he was one of them because he was drunken and doing all the stuff, right? And so the scripture doesn't say he so loved the world that he was, he blended in. It says he so loved the world that in spite of rejection, in spite of mistreatment, in spite of misunderstanding, in spite of solitude and feeling alone, he laid down his life for the world. He didn't engage it to show, look, I'm one of you, and maybe you can slip into the kingdom and, and no one will know. He said the kingdom is starkly contrasted from the world, and I'm coming into the world to pluck you out of it. And like, we get to be a part of that because he plucked us. We've each been plucked out. That's the second point. Jesus chose you out of the world, and so it hates you. That whole system that wants to earn its way to God or have all the pleasures or not worry about tomorrow or all that, that world's just not keen on you. They, just, they don't like what we represent. And so don't you wonder how sometimes you can do nothing. You can be at your office, right, at the office party, and you're just not doing what everyone else is doing, but you're not... It's not like you're beating them over the head with the Bible. You're just standing there innocently. And people come up and they're offended by righteousness. You ever experienced that? People are just offended like, who do you think you are? And you're like, I didn't even say anything. Because we're spiritual beings. And people sense this righteousness about us. And it brings conviction to their lives. So don't be surprised when people run away. Some of them will run too. Jesus chose us out of the world. We were, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world because Jesus chose us out. We were all in the world and Jesus rescued us. That's the gospel. He plucked us out. Jesus searched and he found you. He rescued you. He chose you. He set his affection on you. He reached out to pull you to himself. And let's be honest about this. It wasn't pretty. Even if you came to Christ at four years old, those four years away from Jesus were not pretty. The, 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 the attitude of that cute little hit kid in their cute little heart was wicked. That, that's true. Sometimes I think when we talk about, uh, for many of us, we talk about coming to Christ, our salvation story. We think, well, I was on one team and then I got drafted to a better team with a richer contract. 
Like I was just going along and things were fine. And then Jesus said, hey, why don't you work with me? We're like, sweet, 26 million, I'm on, right? That is not a picture of the gospel. It's not what happened. The Bible's clear. We were enemies of God. Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Four years old, 40 years old, 100 years old. Our hearts were desperately wicked and had nothing that would attract Jesus to them. And Jesus looked at us knowing everything we'd done, everything we were doing, and everything we would do, and he chose us. Ephesians 1, 6, it says, in love he predestined us to be his. He chose us out. You can do lots of stuff with that word, um, but the, the, the basic roots of that word to choose in Greek, it's out of and to speak. So, that, so at, a, at a real base level, it's like Jesus was standing there. We're in darkness and he spoke us out. I just think of him calling us out of darkness because it's not even like we were looking for him, you know. I found Jesus, what, was he lost? No, he wasn't, right? No, he found us. He came into the mire of our lives, you know, went like this and said, I love you, and you've completely forgotten who you are. Now, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to cleanse you with baptism. I'm going to fill you with the Spirit, and now you're mine. And like we talked about last week, not just servant, not just friend, not just heir, but co-heir with Christ. I mean, that's awesome news. We were chosen. We were called out. Here's what the word chosen means. I think I've got some extra words there. To pick out or choose for oneself the act of God's free will by which before the foundation of the world, before you did anything to earn it, before the foundation of the world, he decreed his blessings to certain persons. To select, to choose out by a highly deliberate choice with a real heart preference and with a definite outcome. Like, it wasn't whimsical. It wasn't like junior high, you know, kickball. Ah, take you, you, and oh, gee, you. No. He, he rushed up to us and embraced each one of us. We've been chosen. We've been pulled out of the world. Jesus chose you out of the world. You may have varied opinions of yourself depending on the day and how you think you're doing. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. It's the truest thing. And what God says is, I chose you in love to be mine, holy and blameless, Ephesians 1, 6, and that you are accepted in the beloved. We come to God wrapped in Jesus. And God goes, yes. That's what it means that he chose us. He chose us out of the world. As a result of being chosen out of the world, where God, you know, that was God's sovereign choice, I mean this in the nicest way, you are an alien we are aliens. That's what the Bible says. Aliens, sojourners, foreigners. Our citizenship, Philippians 3, is not even on earth anymore. It's in heaven. Ephesians 2, we've been seated in heavenly places with Christ. We, like, this isn't our place. So you wonder when you walk around the world, like, do you ever just feel out of it? Good. You are. I mean, we are. When we walk into a place of wickedness, the love of God goes out, but... We're not really meant to feel comfortable there. I mean, I don't think that's the point. We're aliens. First Peter 2.11, it says you're an alien, you're a stranger, a foreigner. Like we just, we don't belong. And so as a result, we don't act like the locals. 
right? So, you know, when we, if, if you grew up in the United States, you grew up, and if you went to a public school, you grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance, right? The Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, right? Because you belong here. You're a citizen of this place. If you went to another land, let's just make it extreme. If you walked into uh, Iran or the heart of ISIS or wherever in the world that they are not proclaiming Jesus or anything like him, would you go in there and say, you know, dedicate yourself to that country and all they believe? No, you're a foreigner. You don't do it. It doesn't mean you can't love the people there. It just means you're not going to live like the locals. At some point, every believer has to declare and establish their allegiance. And I think that's, that's some of what discipleship is about, is us walking through life and realizing that in some ways, moment after day after day, week after week, we declare our allegiance. But there are those times in your life where you just have to say, I am tired of straddling the fence of the world and the kingdom. I'm all in. I'm for Jesus. And when, I, when I hear, when I talk to someone, you know, and they talk about Jesus, they talk passionately about, even when uh, Jacob and the band, they were leading us and we ended with Jesus. It's all for you, Jesus. That's why I thought that was just such a nice place to end. Because that's where it all begins. And that's what it's all about. So we, we get an opportunity at some point in our lives and then many times after to declare who we belong to, which means willingly identifying with Jesus. And so if you belong to the world, the world would, would love you. But Jesus chose you out of the world. So expect and accept with joy the treatment of Jesus. John 15, he says, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Maybe we wonder sometimes, like, at the perplexity of our lives as followers of Christ. But I think we shouldn't wonder when we worship a God who became man, we worship a king who said, I'll be a servant. We worship the Lord of all who said, I will give my life. That's the upside down nature of the kingdom. And willingly following Jesus and identifying with him, our lives will look less like lordship, less like control, less like king, and look much more like servant and love and sacrifice. Jesus said, do what I did. He says, they will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. I don't think that's just a warning. I think it's actually a promise. I realize football season is gone, but, you know, I keep saying we shouldn't expect that they would treat us any better than they treat Jesus. You, you wouldn't expect to walk into Lucas Oil Stadium with a Tom Brady shirt on and get cheered, right? It doesn't work that way. It's like having a Steelers jersey and walking into Cleveland saying, let's party. No, you get killed. Right? So identifying with Jesus means sometimes taking the treatment that Jesus gave to us. The way I want to end the message today is not with a big, you know, exhorting hoo-ha. <laughs> I want to just read the scriptures over you. So actually, um, Mary, would you put two of the lights down, the ones on the right? Just put two of the lights down. And if you close your eyes, if uh, Lynn, would you begin to worship?
and if the ministry team can come forward, I just want to uh, I just want to end today just reading the, the couple scriptures over you. So just take these in and let God speak to you. First one from Hebrews chapter ten. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood by, side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. James chapter 4. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies us intensely? 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And I end with the words of Jesus, John 16:33. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world.